But we were reading out of Joshua chapter 8, and we were looking at this story, and we were looking at the Israelites, and we were seeing how the Lord provided for their life and how the Lord continued to take them from glory to glory. And so they gave these, these, these men, they gave these, the people of God specific instructions. And one of those instructions was to do not be afraid and to not, do not be discouraged. Being afraid and being discouraged are a bad recipe for your faith in God. Amen? If you are afraid and you are discouraged, my friend, it's going to be a tough road up ahead. But if you are believing and you're not in fear, but you're encouraged by the Lord, then you will see the impossible situations in your life look probable and possible because of Jesus. Amen? How many of you have ever faced an impossible situation in your life? Everybody should raise their hand. You want to know why? Because the impossible situation that we all have in common was our ability to change our status before God. Our ability to change us ourselves from sinners to saints. Amen? Our ability to change our life to be reconciled with God. Not any one of us has that power. The Bible says that Jesus alone saves. Amen? Jesus alone is the answer. And so not any one of us has the power to change sin in our life by our own merits. You could be a great person. You could be a good person. You can do so many good things and you can, you know, you know, perform well and you can follow the law and you can meditate on the scripture day and night. You could be a person that prays continually. There's so many things that you can do in your life. But listen, there, you cannot change your status before God. You cannot make yourself righteous. Every single one of us, when we came to our faith in Jesus... We needed Jesus. We needed his power and we needed his presence in our life. And so quickly as I have time left, I want us to continue to part two tonight. Let me read this story to you quickly. It says, one day John Wesley was walking with a troubled man who expressed his doubts about the goodness of God. How many of you have ever doubted God? You know, sometimes we wrestle with that. And it says, he said, I do not know what I shall do with all of this worry and trouble in my life. And at the same moment, Wesley saw a cow looking over a stone wall. He says, do you know, asked Wesley, why that cow is looking over the wall? No, said the man who was worried. And Wesley said, he said, the cow is looking over the wall because he cannot see through it. He says, that is what you must do with your wall of trouble. He says, look over it and avoid it. He says, for faith enables us to look past our circumstance and focus on Christ. Amen? And so tonight we're going to continue with this message. How many of you are thankful for the word of God? Amen? Amen. Amen. It is life. The Bible says that he preserves your life by his promises. Amen? Romans chapter 4 verse 3. Let's get into the word tonight. Paul asked the question, he says, what does the scripture say? He says, Abraham believed God. Everybody say, believed God. Say, I believe in God. You better believe in God. All right. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Let's pray for tonight's word. Holy Spirit, I thank you for every single person present, every single person listening, Lord, tonight. 
Holy Spirit, I humble myself before you, and I ask, Lord, that you would speak through me, Lord, and you would speak to every heart, Lord, including mine, Lord, that, Father, we might receive your word and your truth tonight. Have your way in this place, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Faith, church, is the element. Faith is the element that bridges the natural to the supernatural. Amen? That is, my faith as a man of flesh affects the standing of my soul before the Lord. I'll say that one more time. My faith as a man of flesh affects the standing of my soul before the Lord. Abraham's belief in God in the natural, it transferred in the spirit realm as righteousness. Hebrews 11 and 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. How many of you have ever prayed for something that you hadn't seen? Amen? You were praying for that job. You were praying for that loved one. You were praying for some kind of miracle, some kind of breakthrough in your life. You can't see it. You're not beholding the thing that you are praying for. That's why you're praying in faith. Amen? You don't actually have access to that. You don't have tangible hold of that thing, but you are praying in confidence. So it says, faith is confidence in what we are hoping for. One of the greatest lessons of faith I ever had, I prayed for a young man right over here in the corner of our church. And I heard the Holy Spirit tell me to pray for this young man for his heart. I said, okay, I'm going to go pray for your heart and you know, in typical foolish fashion of myself, I walked up to him and I said, hey, is anything wrong with your heart? And the kid looks at me like, he's like 15, 16 years old. He looks at me with like this blank stare. He's like, no. I was like, okay, I feel dumb. So then I see his brother who's next to him, and his brother is, is quite a bit taller. He's a couple years older, and he has a sling on his arm like he, he broke his shoulder or his collarbone or something. So he's got his arm up like this. And I look at him, and I'm like, well, this is obvious enough for me to figure out. <laughs> I, don't need the, I don't need the spirit to see what's going on here. I mean, I can clearly see with my eyes what, what he's in need of. So I said, let me pray for you. I said, do you believe in God? And he's like, yeah. I said, Holy Spirit, just heal this young man, Lord. Touch his body, touch his life. And he, he looks at me with this, like, his eyes got, like, this big. And he starts looking at me, and he's like, and I was like, and I felt the power of God flow from my life into his life. And I was like looking at this young man and he lit up like, like he just got healed. And I said, did you feel that? And he goes, yeah. I said, move your shoulder. And he goes like this and he starts crying because he has zero pain in his shoulder. Then, come on Jesus. Then I look back at the guy that I thought I was wrong with. And I said, do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, no. I said, that's what's wrong with your heart. And I led him to Jesus. Faith is the confidence of what we are hoping will happen. Assurance about what we do not see. Verse 2, this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible, Verse 4, by faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. 
And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life and so, so that he did not experience death. It says he could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Verse 6, and so it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him, think about this, anyone who sets foot in that prayer room with God, anyone who comes before the Lord must believe. Everyone say, I must believe. This thing does not work unless we believe. It will not work in your life. It will be rendered powerless. You could be like the sons of Sceva who went around and they were trying to cast out demons because they heard somebody else do it, but they didn't believe in the power themselves. And the Bible says that those demons jumped all over those guys. Why? Because they, didn't, they weren't living in faith. They didn't have the authority of Jesus in their life. They just rehearsed something that they heard. There's a big difference between rehearsing something out of religious practice or tradition and having a relationship and carrying the authority of God yourself. You have to believe it, amen? Without faith, it's impossible to please him because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The greatest reward, church, for your faith and for our faith is right standing with God, amen? The greatest reward for your faith is being in right standing with God. Think about this. What good would it be for, the, for us to gain the whole world yet forfeit our own soul? Right? That's what the scripture says. Faith is always required for the impossible. And the number one impossible situation that we were all born into was sin. That was like the get-go. That was the very thing that Jesus died to deliver us from. Now, it's fun because we like sometimes to talk about that what happens after we believe. That is the miracles and the signs and the wonders that will follow those who believe. But listen, the greatest miracle of all is that you believed in Jesus, even though you could not see him. You believed that he died for your sins and that he was resurrected on the third day so that your sins could be forgiven. Amen. That is the greatest miracle of all. That's it right there. You see, you cannot wash yourself clean enough. You cannot do anything about your condition of sin before God. We cannot do enough good deeds to change our status in heaven unless we have faith that God through his mercy and his grace sent his son to die for our sins. And unless, church, we are born again by faith, we cannot see God. That's the bottom line. Amen. And so many times we think the impossible is for miracles like healing. We think the impossible is for, you know, delivering somebody from, from demonic, you know, oppression or breakthrough. And yes, while faith is required in all of those situations, it was first given for the salvation and the forgiveness of our sins and our souls. Amen. Faith for my deliverance, listen to this, is not faith in God. I'll say it one more time. Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love and that God is good. Hmm. There are some things, church, that you can only learn in a fiery furnace. There are some things that you can only learn under the pressure, under the weight of, of a burden in your life. 
the disciples probably learned the greatest lessons about Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. Because it was their greatest point of anguish. Where their souls were just wrenched, where their hearts were just torn because they saw the one that they believed in hanging on a cross. And they thought everything was done in that moment. Hebrews 11 and verse 13 says this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. It says they did not receive the things promised. Now I want to stop there just for a second because it does not mean that God is a liar. And it does not mean that God is unfaithful. We'll keep going. It says they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and they welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Verse 14, it says, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Verse 16 says, though, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Amen. Yeah, how many of you have read John chapter 14? He says that, he said, unless I go and prepare a place for you, right? He's preparing for you a place in heaven, church, that will, your mind can't even wrap around. We all like nice things, amen? How many of you like nice things? You are not going to be shortchanged when you get to heaven. This journey that you are going through is going to be 100,000 million percent worth it, Amen? By the time that you're able to walk on the streets of gold and you're able to see the sea of glass and you're able to see the pearly gates and, and you will actually be in heaven, it is going to be worth it all. All the suffering, all the accusation, all the slander, all the things that you will go through, persecution in this life, it will be worth it all, church. But there was a group of people that did not receive some of those things. That they were promised. And this does not affect God's word because his ultimate promise of salvation was received in their life. Every one of us believes for things in this life. Some of you right now are believing for the next phase of life. It could be, could be a relationship, it could be marriage, it could be building a home, whatever it is in your life. It could be retirement, you know, don't know where you're at in your life, but there's so many things that you might be believing God for to, to come one day. And guess what? They might not come to pass. So, Pastor Duke, that sounds like the most faithless thing I've ever heard you say. Listen, it's not God does my plans. It's I live for his will for my life. I'm surrendered to his will and to his plans for my life. Hebrews 11 and 39. So they were all commended for their faith. Yet not one of them received what had been promised. Verse 40. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us they be made perfect. What was the better plan? Heaven. The better plan was heaven, church. It was finally getting to that glorious destination that they had travailed and that they had traveled and that they had pushed through so many obstacles in their life to finally get to heaven. That is what we should all be longing for. 
Make no mistake, it's not wrong to pray for the things that you need on earth, amen? It's not wrong to pray for the things that you are declaring over your life, for the breakthroughs that you are seeking, the healing that you might need in your life, some kind of deliverance for a family member, salvation for the loved ones. Those are all part of our faith. Those are all necessary, and those are all things that the Lord has asked us to contend for, amen? But this is the most powerful promise is that he will fulfill his word. The Bible says, in a twinkling of an eye, the eastern sky will split, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we shall meet him in the clouds to be with him in glory forever. Church, that is the promise of all promises. That's what I'm waiting for. I am a hopeless Packers fan. God bless, I know, I know, God bless. And I shouldn't have brought that up at this time. but we're still better than some other people out there. Anyway, but even though I hope for something to happen and it don't happen, and maybe it never will happen, it doesn't change the fact that I'm full of hope anyway. Can I tell you the biggest prayer request that I ever had before God? I wanted to see my dad healed of cancer. And guess what I did? It just didn't happen the way I thought it would. Because right now he's in the courts of heaven. Completely healed. Completely healed, church. There's not one ounce of sickness or disease in his body. See, we have to realize this, church, that the God that we serve has the final say-so over everything that we could ever experience in this life. He has the ultimate word, and even when it seems like you got to the end and there's not one thing left, no, 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 there's always heaven, church. There's always heaven as that final promise that the Lord would make for your life. This is such a powerful word, church. Because I believe a lot of us have seen a loved one leave this world in a way that challenged your faith. You see, it challenged my faith to see my dad leave the world the way that he did. That is, you prayed, you declared, you trusted, you spoke God's word over, over that life for them to eventually pass on. And it would seem as though your faith failed. Listen, it would rise up the same exact feelings that the disciples felt when they took Christ down from the cross and they placed him in a tomb. Disbelief. So that was it. It's over. But church, just when you think there are no promises left, huh? just when you think God's word ran out, he comes in with his resurrection power. He comes in because he's mighty to save. He comes in as a rescuer, as salvation church. And when it looks like somebody took their final breath, they're now breathing and beginning life in the promise of eternity with Christ. I have hope in Jesus tonight, don't you? Romans chapter 4 and verse 7 goes on to say, So blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Verse 8 says, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. You see, faith church is, for, is first for the forgiveness of sin. Faith is first for the forgiveness of sin in your life. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Verse 11 says, as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. How many of you believe in him tonight? You see, you're not going to be put to shame. You're not going to be put to shame. People can mock you in this world. People can think, man, you're absolutely crazy for believing this stuff. You, you are absolutely crazy. You are nuts. You, you have lost your mind. Listen, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that, the God, that God will use the foolish to confound the wise. That God will take the lowly. He will take those people that are humble in heart and of faith, church. And he will rise you to places that, that this world would have never imagined for your life. Because this is the God that we serve. The scripture points to faith's first purpose, which is to address the impossible. It's to address our sin. Everyone say with faith, say this, say with faith. In Jesus, my sins are justified and I am free. Now say it like you're free. With faith, in Jesus, my sins are justified and I am free. Amen. Man's greatest need was met with God's great love for us. Your greatest need was met with his great power and his great love. Romans chapter 5 says this. It says, God demonstrates his own love for you in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though you had not yet, you know, come to church, he died for you. Even though you had not stopped living that double standard life, he died for you. Even though you were just like the rest of the people on that day where they stood before Pilate and, and they had the choice to choose between Jesus or Barabbas, you voted for Barabbas. That's the truth. And because he loved you, and he loves me, he came down, church, and he said, I'm going to show them what love looks like. I'm going to do the unthinkable. I'm going to do the impossible in front of them so that they can truly know what love is. John 15 and 13 says this, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Proverbs 18 and 24 says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. He says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, there is no end, church, to the love that God has for you. Amen? If you found the end, let me know, because I don't believe it exists. People try to stop the love of God and they try to put parameters on God and they try to box in the Lord, you know, and think that, you know, listen, if you didn't come to church last week, you know, that's it, you're hellbound. No, 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 listen. Oh, if you didn't, you know, show up to this thing, if you didn't serve in ministry, if you didn't do that, oh, no, there's no chance for you. No, my friend, God's love is endless. 
to think, church, just for a second, that this holy and perfect God would befriend you. He's not distant. He's not far away. He's not, you know, domineering. He's not, you know, you know, lording over you in the sense that, you know, you have no life or you have no choices. No, you have life in him. You have freedom in him. But the world likes to make it seem as though this, this God that you serve is, is covering you and he's putting all these rules and parameters on your life that you can't do anything. And that you've got to follow, you know, all these things, you know, by the book, each and everything. Listen, not one of us can follow the law. Amen? That's why Christ died in the law's place. That's why on the third day, the Bible says that the veil was torn. And he said, a new covenant I establish with you. There is no end to the love of God. Think just for a second that he would befriend us, not because we deserve it, but because you believe. Amen? Not because we deserve it, but because we believe in him. We believe in his word. We believe in the spoken promises that the Lord has given us. James chapter 2 and, and verse 23 says this. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Verse 24 says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So Jesus goes on to say in Matthew, 15, I'm sorry, John 15 and verse 14, he says this. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command. A lot of times we like to just leave out portions of scripture and we like to say, oh, that's it. God loves me. He sent his son to die for me. And then we forget John 15 and 14. He says, listen, the qualification for hanging around with me and becoming a friend and me knowing you as a friend is actually listening to what I say. Amen. How many of you have friends? Raise your hand. Man, some of you didn't raise your hands. What's wrong with you? I'll be your friend. Okay. Call me. We'll have lunch, we'll have coffee, whatever you like. I'll be your friend. If you are lonely, listen. Let's talk about it. <laughs> but think about this. You have friends and you appreciate when your friends listen, right? It's like, hey, we're all going to go to this place and we're all going to hang out over here and, and you know, we're all going to dress in whatever, pink, and, you know, it's just going to be a jolly old time, and we're all going to do this thing. And you appreciate when your friend asks you for advice and you give them advice. How many of your friends have ever asked you for advice? Are you that person? Maybe. If you don't know your Bible, please don't be giving out advice. Just that one was for free, okay? But listen, you tell your friend something and you say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this kind of thing, and then they don't listen. And then they come back to you with the same problem. Has that ever happened to anybody? Man, you gave them like, you're like, listen, hey, man. This is how you got to do it. You need to do this thing in your life. You need to do that. You need to stop hanging around with those people. I tell you, man, it's going to be a blessing to your life. What do they do? They do the exact opposite of what you just said. And you go, really? Or they try to coerce you into things that are not godly. But somehow they still think that they're your friend. Listen, there comes a point in time where a real friend is going to listen. Amen? 
A real friend's going to humble themselves to serve you. A real friend's going to do anything in his power to, to, to see your life become blessed. Imagine with me for a second if your parents just said that they loved you, but they never showed you that love. Hmm. They say, oh, I love you every day. I love you. They'll send you a text. They say, I love you. But listen, showing love looks like showing up in your life. Amen? Did your parents not show up in your life that you said you didn't say amen? (laughs) I hope they did. Showing interest, listening, helping, comforting, blessing, correcting, and so on. Imagine if your parents bought you all the nicest things in the world. They gave you whatever you asked for. They let you go wherever you wanted, but they never listened. They never cared, and they never showed concern. You see, love cannot just be said. Amen? Love cannot just be said. It has to be felt. It has to be experienced. It, it has to, you know, there comes a time when actions actually have to back up the words. Amen? Your, your spouse could tell you, oh, I love you every day, and then they're never there. They never do anything out of the ordinary for you. They never go the extra mile to, to show you that they love you. Listen, love cannot be just said. It has to be felt. But the beautiful thing, church, about this relationship that we have with Jesus is it's not just some blind hope. It's not just some blind hope that crazy people think is going to change stuff. You can feel his love. Amen. It's not just that we're believing this thing, that we're having faith, that we're trusting in him. You can actually feel the love of God. You can experience the presence of God. You can taste of the goodness of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? You can experience the peace of God. He can shower you with his glory. He can comfort you in your darkness. Listen, this is not a vain hope in an invisible God. This is real. And when you believe and you trust and you pray and you hope in God, you will feel the presence of God in your life. Jesus showed us his love not by faith alone in the Father, but by the sacrifice of his life. Romans 4 and 17, it goes on to say, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He's speaking of Abraham. He said, he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Listen to this verse. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being the things that are not. Man, I love that. Listen when he's speaking of your God. He says that God who gives life to the dead and calls into being the things that were not. Verse 18 says, against all hope. That means he had nothing to hope for. Like if there was a percentage meter of hope that Abraham could have had that he was going to get his promised child at the age of 100. It was like zero. I don't think most people are planning to have children at 100 years old. Call me crazy, but I just don't think that's a thing. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Listen, you can be in the most physically impossible situation in your life. You can be in the darkest hour of your life. You can be hanging by a thread. You can be hanging against all hope. And it might feel like you are at the end of your rope. It might seem like the furthest thing from your life right now that is hope. But if you would just believe in God, 
If you would just believe in this God who gives life to your soul and who calls things that are dead to life, who calls things that are not as though they are, then, my friend, you will see this God fulfill every promise in your life. Every impossible thing in your life, it will come to pass. Because you believe and you trust in him. Verse 19, it says of Abraham, it goes on to say in Hebrews, it says, uh, or Romans, it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Listen to what it's saying. It says, since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Listen, did you know, church, that faith does not deny a problem's existence? It denies it a place of influence. Amen. Abraham faced the fact that he was 100. He was like, no, I got faith. You know, I'm not 100. No, he was 100. His wife was like 90-something. He faced the fact, he says, I faced the fact that, listen, I am incapable of doing this on my own. I am incapable of, of, of bringing offspring into this world. And so he faced that fact, church. And listen, I need to speak this to somebody tonight. It's okay to face the fact sometimes. Amen? It's actually okay to face the fact sometimes. It's okay to say your back hurts because it really hurts. Amen? It's okay to say that, hey, listen, you know, my relationships need help. It's okay to say that my finances are bad. But the Bible goes on to say in verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. That promise, church, oh, man, that promise he knew, I could take this thing to the bank. This thing is 100% secure. He did not waver through unbelief. It says, but he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. Listen, I don't know what it takes for you to be fully persuaded, but it takes me quite a bit. It takes me quite a bit. Listen, I'm not, I'm not the easiest guy to convince of anything. Man, I'm quick to, like, Google. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, he said that? Mm -hmm. I got the answer right here. I'm quick. It's, it's unfortunate. People try to stump me with stuff all the time, and, and they don't realize that I have kind of, uh, God blessed me with a weird brain, but, you know, I, I have, like, photographic memory. I, I remember things from incredible amounts of details from a long time ago. I don't know why and how that works that way, but it's just a, a gift that he gave me. And so to convince me of something... When I am fully convinced, it's nearly impossible to change my mind. And it took me a few years, church, to finally get fully convinced of this. I'm admitting, I'm admitting that to you. I know for you, maybe you opened the Bible on the first day you, you read John 3.16, you just believed every promise. Amen? Mm-hmm. But for me, it took me, it took me some time. I'd read it and it would speak life to my soul and it was like water, it was refreshing, it was, it was powerful. But, you know, there came a time and a place, church, when I finally crossed over that hump and I was like, no, man, I, that's it. I'm persuaded. I'm done. You will never tell me otherwise. These promises will never fail you, these promises will never fail me. These promises are sure. These promises are true forever, church. 
heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, church, will remain forever. My word will remain forever. He says, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Do you believe that he has the power to do what he has promised in your life? Do you believe that he has the power to do what he has promised in your life? Are you fully persuaded that God can do what he said he will do in your life? Oh, man. To be fully persuaded means that you're empty of doubt. Write that down. Save that in your notes. Just remember that. To be fully persuaded means that you are empty of doubt. Nothing, that means no thing can change your mind, your heart, and your faith in the capabilities of the God that you serve. That means the next Goliath that arises in your life, no thing can change your mind. That means the next battle, the next war that's about to break out against your life, church. You're fully persuaded in the possibilities that God can do what you have believed him for. Verse 22 goes on to say, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. It says the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit with righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Verse 25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. Amen. How many of you believe in those promises tonight? Amen. A.W. Tozer, a famous preacher, he says this. He said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. He said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. But he said, what a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. What a shame, church, if you have been given the greatest gift of all, salvation in Jesus Christ. You've been given, you know, the song that we just sang about right now, you know, all authority has been given to you in Christ. Like, like you, you carry the power of the resurrected Christ in your life. But what a pity and what a shame that would be if you did absolutely nothing with it. If you just stayed on the shore the whole time. Oh, I'm comfortable over here on the, on the, on the land, Jesus. I'm never going to step out onto the water, Jesus, because this, this is solid. I can feel this. What a shame it would be if we never stepped into the realms that Jesus paid for us to have access to, church. Think about this. If we could live and serve God by ourselves, then the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross would have been in vain. It's like if we could just do this on our own, it's like, well, well, I never really need the Holy Spirit's power. I never really need any of these things. Listen, we cannot remove our sins on our own, and we cannot move and live by the Spirit on our own. Amen? We need the grace and the power of God to do this. Every single day, church, Galatians 2 and 21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. If it was just a matter of me holding principles in my life and it was just a matter of me just being able to memorize the text and follow through with certain things that I was taught, then Christ would have died in vain. We need the grace of God in our life. Amen? Somebody say, I need his grace. Say, I need his grace. 1 Corinthians 2 says this, I came to you in weakness. This is Paul. He said, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. He says, my message and my preaching 
We're not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul was saying, like, listen, I can't do this on my own. I didn't even come to you with, like, eloquent speech. I didn't come to you with, with fancy words because I'm not even good at that. So, but I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Church, in order to fulfill the scriptures that say that these signs shall follow those who believe, we need the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the Holy Spirit is most present in your life in impossible situations. In impossible situations. We need his power to work in and through our life. We need his grace to stand and minister the word of God before others. We need his wisdom to navigate life. Because why would we need God if we we're just going to do it all ourselves? Why would we need him if we were never going to believe for the impossible? What hope would you really have? Think about that. What hope would you really have? I love that saying that says this. It says, people really ask if you need Jesus to go to heaven. And it responds, it says, bro, you need Jesus to go to Walmart. <laughs> amen? <laughs> Come on, somebody, amen. We, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to Walmart after service, but you need Jesus. Somebody cuts you off with the cart, you know, all mad, you know, and they get to the checkout thing before you, and you're like, hey, man, you know, I was, I was going to pay for that. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's a lion's den, that Walmart. Ho hopefully they don't hear this on the Internet or whatever, but I, I tell you, it's a lion's den. you got to have Jesus to get in there. <laughs> don't walk down the clearance aisle with that one item left. <laughs> there is going to be a battle of the ages. We need Jesus, church, in every situation. Amen. And I believe this. The Lord is calling us to a higher plane in him. What does that mean? The Lord is calling us to a higher level in him. Amen. He's calling us to a, a, a higher walk with him, church. And in, in, in order, church, to, to, to get to that place, I believe we, he wants us to go from simply following him to being filled with him. There's a difference. The disciples, when they first sat at the feet of Jesus for those first, you know, three and a half years of, of his ministry and his life with them, the Bible says that they, they, they sat at his feet. That is, they, they listened and they were, they were there to be trained by him. They, 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 they were disciplined by the word. They were taught the word. They were, they were staying there and they were, they were doing what, you know, they needed to do. And so he goes and, and are these lights flashing? Or is this me? That one's flashing. Press a, there's a button on the bottom that says chafe or like steam. Maybe press that and it'll stop. Hallelujah. See? Wisdom. All right. Thank you. I don't want any more distractions. I almost forgot what I was going to say. He is bringing us to a place where he wants us to live up here and no longer just be like those that were following 
at his side. Something supernatural happened after Jesus died and was resurrected. I'll tell you what happened. They went, church, from simply following Jesus wherever he went, whether that was ministering on a hillside or that was going to towns and villages, whether that was, you know, sitting in a boat on an ocean. They, they went, church, from, from, from seeing and watching to actually doing and living. Amen? So on the other side of the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit was given to their life, church, to now do and live the way that Jesus lived. Amen? On the other side of the resurrection, church, something was happening. And so Peter, the Bible says that he came, he, be, he was that guy that, you know, denied Jesus those three times before the rooster crowed. The Bible says that there was a completely different Peter in Acts chapter 1. All you have to do is open your Bible and you see the boldness of this man. He's the first guy that stands up on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, he stands up and he begins to preach the word of God. And so something supernatural had happened in his life because before he was ashamed to even be seen with Jesus. And now he's the boldest one of them all. And I have to say this, church, because the Holy Spirit was given into your life, not just so you could sit in the boat, not just so you could deny Jesus every single day of your life, but so that you could walk into the realms of the impossible and actually go to sinners, go to people that could be completely far off, completely far from Jesus. They could be covered in, 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 in look a certain way that you would think, man, this person's never going to want Jesus. But listen, if you open your mouth, church, if you let the Holy Spirit flow from your heart, you say, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? I prayed for a lot of people in, in interesting situations, and I can be 100% honest with you. I pray for a lot of people inside the church, and I pray for a lot of people outside the church. This is going to sound crazy. Sometimes less happens inside the church. And more happens outside of the church. I could tell you testimony after testimony that happened outside because I was standing on a Sunday night. Sunday night, I got a phone call. You're going to see some crazy thing happen here in just a few days. So I'm not going to spoil the, the surprise, but I was talking to this woman. And when I was speaking to her, she's a woman that we're doing some business with. And I was speaking to her. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. Because he leads our words, he leads our conversations, he leads our life. And when you're surrendered, he just leads it all. So I'm, I'm talking to her about business. And all of a sudden, the Lord just tells me to remind her of this testimony for, for whatever reason. And I've told you this story before, but I, it was the same testimony of the, of the woman that, that God told me to tell that she was hiding behind her smile. 
And I'm speaking over the phone to this woman who lives in Houston, Texas. I, I said, listen, I don't know why the Lord wants me to tell you this. We're not even talking, to, not even ministering to her. We're just talking. I said, the Lord wants me to share this story with you for some reason. And I shared it with her and she broke down crying on the phone. Completely broke down. And just moments before she was telling me how good her life was. Oh, you know, Pastor, I got this job with this company and and all my family and my husband and my kids. And, and she was just, you know, saying all of these really, really nice things. She was saying everything. It just sounded like everything was perfect in her life. But the moment that I shared that testimony with her, it broke open something in her life. She began to weep. She began to cry hysterically on the phone, and, and, and I was listening, and I didn't know what just happened. All I know is that the Holy Spirit was right in the middle of the conversation. All I knew was that the Holy Spirit was there, and I shared with her Psalm 55. I said, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. And she said, Pastor, everything that I told you right now, it's not true. My marriage is falling apart. My husband, and she shared some intimate things with me. And she just went on and on. And she was like, I don't even know why I'm telling you this right now. I'm just, you know, and I said, the Holy Spirit's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. And as I began to just talk with her over the next few, you know, it, we're on the phone almost two hours. But the Holy Spirit began to lead the conversation. I just began to pour into her life, pour into her, pour into her, pour into her life. And, and, and by the end of it, we, we had a time of prayer. We prayed and I said, listen, the next conversation that I'm going to have with you is going to be a testimony. It's going to be a testimony that God got a hold of your husband. It's going to be a testimony that God got a hold of the lives of your kids. It's going to be a testimony that God turned everything around, that you were living in that moment of hopeless, hopelessness, and now you're full of hope. I spoke to a woman about two years ago, right in the beginning of the pandemic, reached out to me through social media, and she, she had a need in her life. And she, she had an honest question. She said, Pastor, is it okay if I get divorced? And I had to, you know, hear her out. I said, you know, well, I don't, under, I don't know the circumstances of, of what's going on in your life. So she began to share. She began to tell me that, you know, her husband was unfaithful. I said, okay. And I began to share scripture with her and, and, and the biblical grounds for, for you know, separating. And, 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 and as I was sharing with her, I had to ask her one last question. They had been married 18 years. They had three children together, four children, I think. And she said, Pastor, I've given up hope. I said, let me ask you one question. I said, do you love him? Do you want it to work? And she paused and she waited. But she finally answered. She said, yes. I said, then the Lord is going to step in. We prayed. Now, this is awesome. This is social media. We prayed through social media, and I, and I, and I prayed for her, and I began to earnestly pray over her life. About a week later, I get another message from her, and she says, you are not going to believe what happened. I said, what? My husband went to some church thing at another church, not the church that they were attending at the time. And 
So my husband went to this church thing and he was radically, God just dropped a bomb on his life and he's transformed. I said, but she said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's real. I said, really? I said, let's give it some time. Let's give it some time. I said, I'm believing that God did what he needed to do in the life of this man. So then a couple more weeks passed by and this whole conversation happened over a period of about three months, I think. A couple more weeks passed by and she tells me, she says, this is the man that I've always wanted in my life. This is the man that I, I prayed for for 18 years. This is the man that I, I knew that, that God had for me. And it was so, so powerful, church. And I have to say this, because I don't know who's listening tonight, but listen, you could literally be like that woman at the 18th year of, of a horrible thing, and you could be at the last shred of hope that you have. But if you would just believe in Jesus, if you would just believe in his faithfulness, if you would just believe in his goodness, he can turn every situation around for his goodness and for his glory. Amen.